What's going on, fellas? This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis than by tuning into this podcast right here, right now. Let's go. What is going on, guys? This is Rob Carbone coming at you with another episode of BD4. Tonight, we're going to dive into episode 71. Um, But before we start, obviously, I just want to say thank you all for following along. And if you haven't followed yet to any of my pages, be sure to do so. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at NYSportsTalkRC. Be sure to follow me on Facebook at NY Sports Talk RC. Follow me on Instagram. Just made an Instagram, Rob J Carbone. Um, follow me on WordPress, NY Sports Talk RC. It's my opinion. Follow me on Anchor. Uh, follow BD4 on Spotify and follow BD4 on SoundCloud as well. So be sure to like, follow, subscribe, and do all that fun stuff before we get into this. But we've got a lot to talk about tonight on episode seventy-one. Um, obviously a lot has gone on with the Knicks lately. You know, we have the trade deadline, but before that we had the, um, firing of Steve Mills and then we hired our new president, but, and of course the Knicks are on a little bit of a win streak. So we're going to dive into all that tonight and talk about it, but I guess we'll start with the, with the win streak real quick and then we'll talk about the more important things, but the Knicks just came off a victory at Madison square garden against the Orlando magic. And that gave them three wins in a row. So that's nice. They're up to 400 ball against um, under Mike Miller, a 400 win percentage, which if you can remember, that's all I've been asking for. Um, but, you know, in the game against the Magic, they won 105 to 103. It was a close, close game the entire time. But the Knicks felt like it felt like the Knicks had that advantage. They had that upper, you know, that upper level the entire game. They had the upper hand. Um, but it was a good game defensively. That was really what won them that game. But offensively, of course, as well, they clicked and um, they they did their damage down damage down in the paint. Sixty two points in the paint for the Knicks. That's you know again, that's what they do. They're not a great shooting team. They're not a very good shooting team at all. So they're going to score in the paint, and that's how the Knicks won that game. Lots of passing, lots of ball movement, lots of player movement, and that created a lot of spacing. And it was kind of surprising to get um, to see a lot of spacing like that, despite Marcus Morris not being here anymore, obviously. But they still spaced the floor well, they stretched it out well, and the Knicks were able to have a rhythm offensively. But I look at Alfred Payton, who has been very good of late, and he was key again last night. Um, his defense, first of all, was spectacular. Not only did he have seven steals, could have been eight on that final possession if they counted that one, but he had seven steals. He was just playing so aware out there defensively, 
And offensively, he, of course, did his thing, too. He, he's been good offensively of late. You know, the shooting is obviously not good when it comes to Alfred Payton, but he made it work the other night, last night. 15 points, and, of course, he had his usual um, high assist game. He had nine assists as well, but it was that defense from Payton um, that locked down in the end. That fourth quarter, he was huge. Julius Randle had a nice game. He was efficient from the floor, 10 out of 16, scored 22 points, rebounded 8, and turned it over twice versus 4 assists. So that was nice from Julius Randle. Randle ended up hitting the big shot with about 144 remaining to extend the Nick lead a little bit, and one of the nails in the coffins. So, you know, the first quarter, the Knicks came out of the gate strong, and they really maintained that through the second quarter. It was a 30-19 to lead heading into the second. The second, they pretty much stayed afloat, and they went into halftime with a nice... Uh, a fair advantage. In the third quarter, though, they kind of got lackadaisical. They um a little bit sloppy offensively. The ball movement stopped, and you know, players were relying on themselves to get the Knicks back in it. And on the other side of the floor, they just they were a little lazy. And it was the second unit. It was actually surprisingly the young the young kids, the rookies and the sophomores who weren't holding their own. And they were you know Kevin Knox was just he's brutal. I'm sorry. <laughs> And he was brutal again defensively in that third quarter. And just the second unit fell apart. Uh, what's his name? Vujicic. Vucevic. Him and Gordon were just dominating down the paint. And the Knicks really had no answer in that third quarter. They ended up being down by 10 at one point. But fortunately, they got hot again in the fourth period. Um, I look at the turning point. It was a few minutes into the quarter where Wayne Ellington finally started hitting some friggin' shots. And oh my God, I can't say how, you know, this guy never hits shots. He literally never hits shots. And I, I don't think I've ever seen Wayne Ellington hit um two, two field goals in a row. I don't think he's ever done that in his Nick career. And I will take that to my grave because I'm, I'm actually thinking about it. And I never, you know, I, maybe, maybe one other time where he's hit two field goals in a row for this team, but he did. He hit two three-point shots in a row. It, it cut the Nick deficit down to four, down to four points, and they just got it going from there. Um, Peyton and Taj Gibson started clicking together, and they were helping out with buckets down low in the paint. It was Julius Randle, like I said. He hit the big shot with about a minute and 44 left to, to extend that Nick lead, and the Knicks ended up pulling it out on that final possession with the, with the Knicks up two. The Magic had a chance to at least tie it, but Peyton came up with a steal, and it was a good, solid victory for three in a row. So again, the positive, three-game win streak, and they've now they won their 12th game in 30 games under Mike Miller, which gives them a 400-win percentage, much better than the 182-win percentage David Fisdale had them playing at. So obviously Miller's been coaching better. He's got the same, pretty much the same exact team with the addition of Peyton. Peyton has helped, but... Other than that, he's had the same team, and he's gotten his team to win. He's gotten the Knicks to win. It's going to be interesting to see how they do without Marcus Morris now, but he's still he's getting the Knicks to win. He's doing that well. He's calling plays. He's a guy with the you know an X's and O's type of coach, which is refreshing. And I've said this all along. So that's the positive. Now the negative, it's still hard. It's still really hard to get excited about a win when you're playing your veterans so frigging constantly and it's so frustrating to watch this happen even after the frigging trade deadline it was the day of the trade deadline the day it all ended and they're still going out there you know they still gave Bobby Portis minutes they still gave Taj Gibson the start they still gave Reggie Bullock 20 something minutes it's it's come on man come on you know it's 
Now, I understand Dotson and Trier couldn't play last night because they actually were sick. They were ill. We got that virus going around. But as for everybody else, they, the Knicks really need to stop prioritizing their veterans over their youth. And I understand it. You know, I understand that that <clears throat> that um <clears throat> the veterans are winning games for you right now and you're only six and a half out of the eight seed. As really weird as that sounds, I understand they're trying to make a push. But it just feels like, again, it, it's it's one of those things where Mike Miller is trying to coach to save his job, right? As opposed to actually ben- doing what benefits the Knicks in the long run. Because we have to keep our minds on the big picture here, which is trying to develop our foundation and trying to get these young guys to to improve. And they don't improve on the bench, right? A lot of them aren't playing right good right now. We know that Kevin Knox has not been pretty. We know that Frank Nielakina has not been very good either. But they're not going to get better sitting on a bench. The only way they can learn, the only way they can develop and improve is by playing basketball on that hardwood. They cannot be sitting on the pine. So it's we've got to get this going. And I don't understand why we still, um, it seems like we're still going to head that way as for playing our veterans despite being past the trade deadline. I don't know. Maybe it happens a little later, maybe we start prioritizing them after the All-Star break. But what's the point of that? Why not just do it now? We're in frigging February. Mid-February is coming up. It's almost February frigging... It's February 8th as I'm talking. I mean, come on! But I guess they're trying to they're trying to win games. Pointless. It's pointless, but you know, I'd rather them try to win with their young kids than do it with their with, with a bunch of guys who won't be here next season. But that's that as far as the on-court play. Obviously, we got the news a couple days ago that Steve Mills Steve Mills was fired. He was fired, and it finally happened. Um, you know, Steve Mills had two tenures with the Knicks, you know, one decade earlier and then the second decade. Um, overall, though, he was just pitiful. Could not know, did not know how to draft, terrible drafter, did not know how to run a team, and just couldn't get any competence in that front office. His overall record was 178 and 365. That equals a 320 win percentage. That's pathetic. That's a atrocious. That's abominable. It's egregious, whatever you want to call it. Incompetent. It's just awful. It's he was bad and he needed to go. So if it, it, listen, it's not everything, right? We still got that guy named James Dolan who said himself, quote, I'm not going to sell. But um it was just, it's definitely a step upwards, right? And if you can't at least get somewhat um, happy about this news, then you're just probably one of them disgruntled Knicks fans who's going to be angry at everything. But this is something that you definitely have to at least be proud of. Now, I'm not I'm not so sure about this, this, this Leon, what's his name, Leon Rose, this new, uh, new executive, new president that they hired. You know, I'm not, I'm iffy on agents. They're kind of sketchy. Obviously, you don't know what you're gonna get. And but it's the thing with me. It's like we're hiring a guy, an agent, because he has connections, right? He has connections to to to, to get all these maybe maybe uh attract someone like Giannis down the line. It's it's kind of I'd rather go with the guy who has experience, right? A proven um a proven executive. A, an established president who has a history of making the right move and who has a vision, right? It seems like we're going with connections over visions 
Um, and I'm not sure I like that. I think it was a, it was obviously it was a rush job. You know, they hired their new president a day after. It, it was just weird to me. Uh, I would have liked them to take a little more time, but obviously James Dolan had a had a plan, and he wanted to he wanted to, to strike for this Leon Rose guy, and apparently Rose is bringing that worldwide West guy with him. I don't know much about that whole thing, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just feel like that's it was a rush job, and I feel like they should have at least waited a little bit and see what was out there, you know, test the waters and. Go after a guy with experience. That was my big thing. All I wanted was somebody with experience, somebody you knew. But instead, we're going to go with a guy who's never done this job before, and it's going to be another question mark, right? How many question marks are we going to have to deal with on this team, whether that be in the front office or on the court? It's just, it's, oh, it's so frustrating. But we have to just wait and see what happens, right? We have to wait and see. Um, You know, obviously, maybe that had a big part um, played a big role in why the Knicks didn't do much at the deadline. You know, um, it was just Marcus Morris who was traded, and that was it. Marcus Morris was traded for a first-round pick. Um, Mo Harkless, and I think like a 2021 second-round pick, and also a 2021 ability uh, option to swap with the Clippers, but that's never going to happen because the Knicks aren't going to have a better record than the Clippers, so... Really, the only thing you're looking at here is they got what they needed, which is the first round pick. Now, it's a late first round pick, so it was probably, it's practically a second round pick, but we knew this all along. That's what we wanted to do. We were wanting to do this all along, right? We knew, you know, everything else I don't care. I don't care about Harkless. I don't care about the other draft picks we got, whatever it was. Um, I understand we didn't get those two players that we were originally supposed to get or looking at. Um, but, you know, it's kind of hard when you didn't trade anybody else. You don't have the roster spots for them. So we got the first round pick, the late first rounder for Morris, which was fine. That's what we wanted all along, right? So I applaud them on that. You know, we needed to get Morris out of here. It made too much sense. 30 years old on a, on a team that's not going anywhere. Um, he's a free agent in the summer. So that needed to happen. You have to give him have to give him up while his value is his highest. Um, and they got their first rounder, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what the Knicks do in this upcoming draft with that late first rounder, um, and hopefully they can strike a lottery pick this season, um, after this season. <clears throat> but that was that. They didn't really do anything else. You know, Morris gets to play for a contender in LAC, so that's cool. Good for him. You know, I appreciate everything Marcus Morris gave gave this Knicks team, but it's just, what are we going to do? With all these vets, we're just going to keep playing them because that's that's what frustrated me. We didn't do anything. We still kept Bobby Portis. We still kept Taj Gibson, Wayne Ellington, Alfred Payton, Reggie Bullock. We still have these guys. So what are we doing here? We're, I mean, can we please eventually get to a point where they don't play much more than 10, 12 minutes in a game in a night? Can we do that, please? Because it's the complete opposite right now with the young kids. Let's let's. I don't know. So I wasn't really satisfied with that trade deadline. I thought it was very mediocre aside from keeping Marcus Morris obviously from trading Marcus Morris obviously. Um I did like, you know, they didn't trade Dennis Smith Jr. Um you know, obviously the rumors earlier in the year were that he was he was disappointed and he wanted out. But he's here now. He doesn't really have a choice and I'm kind of, you know, not that I didn't want him traded, but I have no problem with them keeping him too because I feel like there's still some potential there he flashes. Um, now, I don't know if he's ever going to make it work in New York. 
But the thing is, if he does flash some potential and finishes out the season strong, that could ra- that could still raise his trade value for the off season, right? That could still do something in terms of waiting for the summer to trade him. So that that's maybe something's good. But listen, if we're going to keep him, he can't be the third point guard off the bench. It has to be Dennis Smith Jr., Frankie Lakina, and then Alfred Payton. As good as Alfred Payton's playing right now, you know it goes back to what I've been saying um, for the longest time. It just He's a he's not not that he's old, but he's a short term. You know, he's on a short term contract. He he his ceiling obviously isn't much higher than anybody else on this team. It, it's probably one of the lowest. You know, we know who he is already. He's been in the league for a while. He hasn't improved. He is who he is at this point. So you might as well just go with DSJ and Frank. And you know, we gotta stop starting Elford Payton. But he gets a second life here. Frankie Lakita even gets a second life if you think about it. Not that he wanted out, but he's ever since the Knicks drafted him, after Phil Jackson drafted him, actually. But you know, Scott Perry, the the Steve Mills and Scott Perry never really liked him. You, know, you could always tell he's gotten shot away from consistently. Now he's not that great of a player, but he's still a young part of this team who needs to be out there every day. And they don't really play him enough. They don't really play him long enough. And he's always constantly been in trade rumors since you know his second season, I think. Um, but you know, once again, he survives it, and he's going to get another chance on this team to to improve. I don't know how much he can improve at this point. I think Frankie Lakina is who he is. I think he's more a Andre Roberson type, where he just plays defense and he doesn't provide much offensively. But we'll see what happens as far as that goes. And you know, you look at this overall. You look at the big picture. The Knicks have about exactly they have a, exactly a dozen draft picks over the next three seasons, and exactly seven first round picks over the next four years. So that's a plus. A new GM, uh, not a new GM, but a new president. So with somebody different running things, you have seven first round picks over the next four years. So you, I mean, if, if this Rose guy is competent, right? If this Rose guy is, is something good, something decent, then you'd hope that out of these seven first rounders over the next four years that the Knicks can at least um, strike gold on four of them. That'd be fun, right? Could we could we get, you know, could we draft better? This is going to be huge these next several seasons. We have to capitalize in these drafts now that we have a somewhat different um, front office. But I think we covered it all. I don't want to go too long tonight. It's very late, actually. But yeah, like I said, guys, I mean, I appreciate you guys stopping by. And, you know, if you haven't followed me yet on Twitter, please do so at NYSportsTalkRC. Same thing with Facebook. On Instagram, follow me, Rob J. Carbone, username. And the display name is Rob Carbone. Follow me on WordPress, NYSportsTalkRC. Um, it's my opinion. Follow me on Anchor, BD4 Rob Carbone, or just BD4. Follow me on Spotify, BD4 Rob Carbone. Follow me on SoundCloud if you haven't yet, BD4 Rob Carbone. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, be sure to follow me there as well. And you can find all of this on my blog on mysportstalkrc.wordpress.com. You can find that right on that blog. There's a tab called Outlets. And it has all the links to where you can find my blog, my podcast, and everything to connect with me or just to read or listen to my content. So please be sure to go there, to go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com 
to find all those links on the outlets tab. And you can follow me, and there we go. So that's that tonight, guys. I'm going to wrap this up. Once again, Rob Carbone, episode 71 of BD4, No Better Way, Knicks fire, trade, and win. You know, they beat the Magic, they fired Mills, they hired Rose, and they traded Marcus Morris. So that's it, guys. Rob Carbone signing out. I will see you next time. All right. Ciao.